The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Here is a true child of Israel. There is no duplicity in him. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And he said to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. In conspectu angelorum salum tibi domine, in the presence of the angels I will sing your praises, Lord. The words of our responsorial psalm remind us of the very essence of what it is we are doing right now. Because when we gather for Mass, we stand with one foot on this earth and another in heaven. Our liturgy, our worship, our prayer in this space is not merely our own. As the prayers of the Mass itself instruct us, our prayer is a prayer that participates in, that unites itself to that unending jubilation of angelic worship in heaven. In fact, just a few minutes ago, we chanted the hymn, Glory to God in the Highest, a hymn whose origin is not with any earthly composer, regardless of the origin of the specific musical setting. Rather, that hymn is the song of angelic delight over the Savior showing his face to the world for the first time at his birth on Christmas. A few minutes later, we will sing, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God of hosts. And that likewise is not an earthly composition. That rather is the song of the seraphim chanting to one another in the presence of the Lord in the temple. And so note how even with the words we use at Mass, there's an angelic note to them, a heavenly note to them. The gift of prayer, the gift of song, the gift of right worship is exactly that. It is a gift that has no earthly origin, but comes to us quite truly from above. And so it is then that we gather on this day to celebrate one of the two feast days of angels that the church has on its calendar. Three days from today is the Feast of the Guardian Angels. But today we celebrate the Feast of the Archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. 
And as we do so, we do so in the context, as we hear in the first reading, of the thousands upon thousands, the myriads upon myriads, the numbers beyond all counting and understanding that serve before the Lord in his glory. There are many more angelic beings than we have names for. In fact, we only have names for three. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And so note what the church does. The church will celebrate in a few days the more general and particular guardianship that we all experience by means of angels. But today the church references the way that the Lord governs the world and the way that the angels in heaven serve him and crystallizes that into three specific figures whose names we are given to know in Revelation. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. Now, how are we to understand this? The word angel means messenger. And so the common ranks of angels have that in common. They bring communication to this world, and as we will hear in our Eucharistic prayer, they also bear the prayers of the faithful, the prayers of the church, heavenward before the throne of God. And then there are those angels trusted with weightier matters, weightier messages, because not all messages are equal. Not all events have an equal weightiness to them. And so we turn to these figures who crystallize for us in no small measure the matters of greatest importance in God's relating to us and our relationship with the Lord. And so it is that we consider Michael, that great prince and captain of the heavenly host, with a special charge of safeguarding, protecting, and defending the people of God. And we see as well, what does this mean? But the Lord himself is ultimately the great protector of his people. And he extends that protection by means of the angels he sends to watch over us. And then there is Raphael. who shows us the way that heaven answers our prayers, who comes to Tobias announcing that his prayer, his father's prayer, arrived at heaven at the same time as another, and he was sent earthward to bear the answer and to bring the healing that was called out for. And so what do we see in this one but the angel who accompanies the pilgrim on his journey and the angel who brings with him the medicine for body and soul that this fallen world cries out for. And then, then there is the great angel of the fullness of time, Gabriel, who appears to Our Lady after he has already appeared to the prophet Daniel in the past, after he has already appeared to the priest Zechariah announcing the birth, of John the Baptist, he comes to Our Lady bearing the great message that the Word will take flesh and dwell among us. 
And so it is that the weightiest matters have names. Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. But in each of these cases, what do we see but that heaven is moving dramatically on our behalf. And that drama of movement through the ministering spirits who serve before the throne of God crystallizes itself in names that we know. And it reminds us that there are other ways, there are other communications of the Lord, there are other ways that the Lord watches over us, guides us, and protects us beyond our ability to name specifically. And yet in each of those cases, there is a specific act of love, a specific act of care that the Lord extends to his church and his world. What a remarkable thing that is. And if we parse that out in the presence of the angels in conspectu angelorum, before their gaze, I will sing your praises, Lord. Salam tibi domine. Our lives are quite literally then lives that unfold in the presence of the angels. Not merely our worship here today in this space, but the very elementary and basic dynamics of our living are things that take place under the watchful eye, under the watchful care of heaven. And now all of a sudden we feel a little nervous because it's like, wow, there's always somebody looking over my shoulder. <laughs> and if I thought about that this morning, maybe I would have acted, thought, or spoken differently. <laughs> um, and that too is a sign of the presence of the angels, that prick of the conscience that reminder that nothing is ever so secret, ever so hidden as I'd like to think it is. But rather there's a fundamental visibility, a fundamental openness about our lives before the eye of heaven which sees all things. But note the beauty of that psalm. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. It's not in the presence of the angels, I will quake for fear. It is not in the presence of the angels I will cringe and disappear into my doubt. Rather, in the presence of the angels, a song is called out of me. Note how marvelous that is, because what do we see? What do we see in the first reading? We don't simply see armies gathering before the Lord. We hear the great cry of angelic worship praising the Lord, worshiping the Lord, honoring the Lord with the very thunder of heaven itself. In the presence of the angels, that song inspires my heart to praise. That song calls forth joy from me in the greatness of who you are, O Lord. And so note at the liturgy, glory to God in the highest. In the presence of the angels, I will sing your praises. Hosanna. Hosanna, Hosanna. Holy Lord are you in the presence of the angels. I will sing your praises. And my song will not be a lonely voice lifted heavenward because I sing not alone. I sing in the presence of those whose song is mightier and more ancient than my own. 
What a marvelous reality that is. This is what we celebrate today. We know three specific names of three specific angelic beings who intervened on our behalf in various ways throughout history. But they are pointers to that greater way that the Lord cares for his church. And so it is that we have today Jesus speaking to Nathanael, who marvels at the Lord's knowledge. And the Lord says to him, oh, you're going to see something greater than that. And the example he quotes as he speaks to Nathanael is a weighty matter indeed. I tell you, amen, amen, you will see heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say you will see the angels coming down to me and rising up from me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say you will see the angels of heaven serving me. He says something very different. They will ascend on me and they will descend on me. And why? Because Jesus is referencing the vision of Jacob, who at Bethel saw the golden ladder from heaven, which was open, reaching all the way down to earth. And from the very throne of God on that ladder, the angels ascended and descended between heaven and earth. And note what Christ says, I am that ladder. I am that ladder that joins heaven and earth. I am that ladder from which the earthly ascends to the heavenly. I am that ladder by means of which the heavenly most fully comes down to the earthly. Note how remarkable that is. The movement of the angels is a movement on me, a movement through me, a movement governed by me. That is what you will see. What a remarkable statement that is. And what do we see the angels do? They ascend and they descend. They ascend by means of Christ to the fullness of the contemplation of heavenly glory. They ascend on Christ, the incarnate word, to the fullness of divine love. And from that fullness, by means of Christ, they descend. Or, as St. Bert of Clairvaux would say, they condescend to us in mercy. And note, those who ascend to gaze upon the face of God in all of its brilliance are those who descend to be at his service here in this world and on this earth. And note the movement, because who is Christ? He is that very Son, co-equal with the Father, who descends to this world, who condescends to come to this world for us and for our salvation. And so know what he says about these beings that we celebrate, these great mysterious beings whom we name angels. They are those who have ascended to the full view of the face of God in and by the power of Christ. And they are those who descend 
to this world, who condescend to step out of that glory, out of that light, out of that greatness, to be with us in our need, to be with us as light in our darkness, to be with us as strength in our weakness, to be with us as guides, for we are easily lost. And note the lesson that is there for us. The more the heart rises in prayerfulness, the more attentive that same heart must be in compassion for those in our presence who are weaker than we. That is the way of the angels. They rise to the height of contemplating glory, and from that height and that vision of God, they descend in mercy, they descend in compassion to be at the service of those who are weaker than they. That would be us. What a remarkable mystery this is, and the engine that drives it all is Christ himself. We celebrate Michael's greatness, recognizing it is a greatness dependent on the goodness and the greatness of Christ. We celebrate the message of Gabriel, which in the end is the word of Jesus Christ made flesh for the life of the world. We celebrate the healing of Raphael, the medicine of God, because we recognize that it is in Jesus Christ that the fullness of healing comes to this wounded world. And note how wonderful that is. These angelic beings, these heavenly messengers who in their faithfulness in their effectiveness, in the ways they have intervened with such dramatic clarity, we are able to name it. All in their own way, point to the greatness of Jesus Christ. Because it is not Michael who casts Satan from heaven, it is the power of Christ acting in and through Michael. It is not Gabriel who brings the word of salvation to the world. It is Christ who sends Gabriel with that word, and Christ himself who is the very word of salvation. It is not Raphael who is the healer. Rather, it is Raphael who is the agent of the healing love of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ. How marvelous indeed that is, and how right it is that we celebrate that. Because when we celebrate them, we celebrate their perfect surrender to, their perfect conformity to these great aspects of the way that Almighty God looks over us. The Mighty One who defends the weak, the one whose voice is clear with the strength of truth and yet so very gentle in its words, the Great One who is able to intervene and bring an end to that which diminishes and destroys our life and yet whose healing is so gently applied. What a marvelous reality that is. And in just a few minutes, in just a few minutes, our voices will quite literally unite with theirs in the song that Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, too, learned from the seraphim, from whose lips come those great words, holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, 
Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sebald. How marvelous it is. Because as we gather today, we know the names of three. And yet those three point to the reality of the great many, the thousands upon thousands, myriads upon myriads at the throne of Almighty God, active and effective and joyful in his service. And our voices, quite literally, we pray, join with theirs. And note, we don't say their voices join with ours. And we say at that moment, may our voices join with theirs. Every time we celebrate Mass, we say that prayer. And what does it mean? In conspectu angelorum salum TV domine, in the presence of the angels, I will sing your praises, Lord. Amen.